Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host Karen and this is INT Japan. Today I'm going to start off by congratulating one of my student's daughter for making her debut as a mangaka. It's an incredibly enormous achievement. Becoming a professional mangaka is an ambitious dream to go after, but according to my student, her daughter has been honing her skill as a mangaka ever since she was 18. So congratulations Nishino Momoa for making your debut in the Chao magazine. I'm looking forward to reading more of your works in the future. Chao magazine is a Japanese shoujo manga magazine published by Shogakukan aimed towards a young female audience. The magazine typically features stories that appeal to preteens and teens with themes often revolving around romance, friendship, and school life. Chao was first published in 1977 and it has been a starting platform for many popular shoujo manga series and authors. The magazine has been instrumental in launching the careers of several well-known manga artists and contributing to the popularity of the shoujo manga genre. So yes, being published in that magazine is a very big deal, so again, congratulations! Alright, now on to today's topic, spring and autumn, Japan's favorite seasons. I can't believe I'm talking about the weather voluntarily. To be honest, I tend to avoid this topic because it's such a common topic that as a teacher, you have this conversation a few times a day. To start with, talking about the weather is a neutral and non-controversial topic. It's a safe topic that wouldn't offend anyone. In Japan, inquiring about the weather is also often seen as a way to show concern for others. For example, asking whether someone is coping well with the heat of summer is a polite way of expressing care for their well-being. Japan as a country also experiences a range of weather extremes, from typhoons to snowstorms. Discussing the weather is not just small talk, but can also be a practical discussion for planning and preparation. To add, weather patterns also differ significantly from Okinawa to Hokkaido. So while you could be freezing your butt off in Hokkaido, people in Okinawa will be sipping margarita by the beach. But I'll do my best to make it interesting and to add a little bit more insight into it. Particularly, why are spring and autumn such a big deal in Japan? If you ask any Japanese person, they would most likely say that either spring or autumn is their favorite season. In spring, people usually talk about hanami, or in English, cherry blossom viewing picnic. They also have a special calendar to track the blooming time of cherry blossoms in different regions. Or for the spring haters, they would talk about hay fever. The cross we sufferers must bear every year. In autumn, people usually talk about going to the hot spring or mountainous areas like Hakone to see the autumn leaves. They also talk about which areas are the best places to see the leaves changing colors. Fascination with nature has always been intrinsic to Japanese culture. One of the reasons is deeply rooted in the classical Japanese aesthetic concept called mono no aware. It's a term that speaks to the transient nature of things and the gentle empathetic sadness that arises from recognizing this impermanence. Things that don't last long tend to look prettier and make you sentimental. The shorter the expiry date means, the better it is? Central to mono no aware is the awareness of the impermanence of things. This understanding fosters a deeper appreciation of beauty and moments in life, precisely because they are fleeting. 
instead of seeing beauty in permanence, there's a recognition that true beauty lies in the passing nature of life. Think of cherry blossoms or sakura. Their beauty is heightened by their short-lived existence. The bloom is intensely gorgeous, but it's short-lived, leading to feelings of melancholy when they wither. To add to the rarity, during sakura season, there tends to be a lot of rainy days. So your chance to see sakura in full bloom underneath a blue sky is very very limited, at least in Kanto area. The last time I went to a hanami, it was so windy it took a lot of effort keeping the picnic mat down. On top of that, my hair was a complete mess, so I looked like a Yorkie dog who just had a bath. Mono no aware is not just an intellectual understanding but also an emotional response. It's the bittersweet feeling you get when something beautiful like a sunset or a momentary experience like skydiving even is fading away. So if you feel strangely melancholic when you see the full moon, the snow, the sunset, or the last slice of pizza, Mono no Aware believes that it's because of their inevitable end. A little dramatic for a pizza, but I get it. No matter how the story goes, whether it's happy or sad, endings usually evoke sadness even if that ending is for your own good. This aesthetic has deeply influenced Japanese art, literature, and philosophy. It's often present in classic works like The Tale of Genji by Murasaki Shikibu, where the fleeting nature of love and life is a central theme. For those of you who's not familiar with Japanese literature, The Tale of Genji, often considered the world's first novel, was written in the early 11th century by the Japanese noblewoman Murasaki Shikibu. What's also amazing is that the novel was entirely written in hiragana because Murasaki Shikibu never learned how to write kanji. The story follows the life of Hikaru Genji, the shining prince, and his romantic and political entanglements. In the story, Genji has relationships with many women, but these relationships are often marked by transience. The women age, move away, or pass away, reflecting the fleeting nature of love and human connection. It also depicts life's uncertainties. Things change. People change. If anything, the only thing in life that stays constant is change. Characters in the story often face unpredictable changes in fortune, be it Genji's fall from grace or other various up and downs experienced by the women in his life. These changes echo the impermanent nature of life, therefore mono no aware. Think about where you were 10 years ago and think about where you are now. Could you have guessed that you would end up here today? Did you think your life wasn't going to change so drastically? Do you look back to your past feeling a little bit confused, like, how did I end up from there to here? How did I plant oranges and end up with tomatoes? So, you know, something like that. While rooted in traditional aesthetic, Mono no Aware remains relevant in modern Japan. Many contemporary movies, anime, and novels frequently incorporate this sentiment, often to express the ephemeral nature of youth, love, and moments in time. So take the anime like Clanad, for example. I've already talked about this anime in an earlier episode, but this anime is pretty much centered around Mono no Aware. The main character experiences so much loss and tragedy. 
in love, friendships, and life, and this sense of loss is accompanied by the changing seasons in the background. I don't know if any of you have noticed, but many crucial scenes in anime take place during specific seasons. For example, they tend to confess their feelings when the cherry blossoms are in full bloom. And you also have scenes where boys gush over girls in Yukata at the summer festival. Breaking up with someone usually happens in snowy days, then reuniting with someone usually happens in spring. You know, they all kind of follow a template. In Ghibli movies, both Spirited Away and My Neighbor Totoro change is a constant theme. Whether it's Chihiro or San adjusting to a new magical world in Spirited Away, or Satsuki and Mei adapting to life in the countryside in My Neighbor Totoro, the stories revolve around characters adapting to change and coping with the impermanence of their situations. Both films deal with a sense of loss or a threat of loss. Chihiro loses her identity and parents, and must adapt to a new world to regain them. In My Neighbor Totoro, the absence of the mother who is in the hospital hangs over the story, giving it a sense of bittersweetness. And how does Hayao Miyazaki, the genius behind Ghibli, evoke an emotional response that is central to the concept of Mono no Aware? To start with, he opted for ambiguity and complexity. These films often avoid clear-cut happy endings, instead opting for more nuanced resolutions. For instance, while Chihiro returns to the human world at the end of Spirited Away, there's a lingering sadness as she has changed and lost her friends from the spirit world. The ending of My Neighbor Totoro is joyful but tempered by the reality that the girl's mother is still sick by the end of it, and we don't know what happens to her. Basically, the opposite of Disney, where every story is wrapped in a nice little colorful bow. I've always wondered why Japanese anime hate giving us clear-cut endings. I always had a problem with this in the past, because I don't want to invest 20 hours of my life just to get a vague ending. But now, I kinda get it, you know. In reality, you don't get a sad ending or a happy ending. No one has the perfect story. The concept Mono no Aware has connections with the Buddhist ideas about the impermanence of life and the inevitability of suffering. The latter sounds kind of depressing, but I guess we all can relate. By acknowledging or even embracing the transient nature of existence, one can find deeper appreciation in their present. Or in simple words, you gotta go through hell in order to appreciate heaven. So I guess spring marks the end of winter, which is kind of bittersweet for some, while autumn marks the end of summer. And while autumn is the ideal season for most people because we don't have hay fever problems during the season and the temperature is pretty much everything people hope for. Not too cold, not too humid, not too hot, not too dry. But it's also the shortest season. So there you go fleeting and impermanence, especially when it comes to the good stuff. And of course, with the popularity of spring and autumn, Japanese companies are not to miss out on making some extra cash. Every spring, Starbucks Japan releases sakura-themed drinks and merchandise ranging from sakura-flavored lattes to tumblers adorned with sakura designs. These items are highly popular and often sell out quickly. To be honest, sakura kind of tastes like strawberry milk to me. It has the same color too. Japan Railway, JR Company, often offers special sakura passes or packages that include routes passing through regions known for their stunning sakura. 
this encourages both domestic and international tourism. Cosmetic brands like Shiseido may introduce limited edition makeup or skincare lines that feature pastel packaging and floral scents to resonate with the sakura season. If anything, a lot of companies are kind of overselling the whole sakura thing, and it's not really limited edition considering they sell the stuff every year, so it kind of puts me off a bit. In autumn, on the other hand, Kalbi, the famous Japanese snack food company, releases limited time flavors in the autumn, such as sweet potato chips, which are tied to the season's harvest and resonate with the traditional flavors of autumn. Muji, the minimalist lifestyle and homeware brand, often introduces autumn-themed products like scented oils with the aroma of autumn leaves or cozy earth-tone bedding and textiles. I'm not really a nature girl, so somebody gotta tell me, what do autumn leaves smell like? Some restaurants and vendors would host special autumn beer gardens or food festivals featuring seasonal foods like roasted chestnuts and sweet potatoes, often in partnership with beverage companies. Again, sweet potatoes and chestnuts are staples in Japanese autumn. I'm not a big fan of sweet potato flavored stuff, I'd rather eat this actual sweet potato. So the next time you see the autumn leaves or sakura, I hope this episode helped you appreciate them a little bit more. Beauty doesn't last forever, but the things that provoke such awe deserve a little appreciation no matter how short-lived they are, or exactly because of how short-lived they are. For those who are visiting Japan this autumn, be sure to visit some of the famous places to view these autumn leaves. In Tokyo, it would be Meiji Shrine or Rikugien Garden. I highly recommend the garden because it's considered one of Japan's most beautiful landscape gardens. It was built around 18th century by the 5th Tokugawa shogun. Rikugien literally means six poems garden. There is a 300 yen admission fee, but what's 300 yen anyway? You'll easily lose that at the game center. Better that it goes to maintaining a historic place, no? Some other places that I should mention are Arashiyama in Kyoto, Lake Chuzenji in Niko, Daisetsuzan National Park in Hokkaido, Nara Park in Nara, Kenrokuen Garden in Kanazawa, Mino Park in Osaka, and Oirase Stream in Aomori. If you happen to have a long vacation, do visit those places and let me know which area has the most captivating autumn landscape. Thank you for listening to today's episode. May the weather stay sunny upon all of you. Until next time! Music